0: This is the Small Mouth Crush Podcast Season 2. If you're a hardcore angler, You've come to the right place. This is a weekly podcast that will interview some of the top local and regional anglers in North America. Anglers who consistently finish near the top in both largemouth and smallmouth bass fishing tournaments. Travis and his guest will discuss techniques and strategies used to help these anglers stay so consistent and help you become a better angler and gain an edge on your body of water. And now... Here's your host of the Small Mouth Crush Podcast, Travis Manson. Hello,
1: welcome to the Small Mouth Crush Podcast. Another great week talking with some of the top local and regional anglers across North America when it comes to bass fishing. We got some good ones. I expect a great show today, so hang out with us. Enjoy the, uh, the talk. We got some great conversation ahead. Awesome angler uh, ready to talk largemouth, and smallmouth. You know he knows how to catch a few smallmouth as well, but before we go there, let's talk about the real shot. Of course, the real shot's the go-to shop for all bass anglers. They got all kinds of tackle, and you guys know the drill by now. They've been a sponsor of the podcast since it started. Get all your tackle needs right there, all the top names. They got a bunch of hunting stuff too, so if you're into that, give them a look. If you use my code smallmouthcrush15, you're going to save 15% off your first order, so we certainly appreciate the Real Shots sponsorship for this podcast. Let's get into it. We're going to bring Ryan on. How you doing, Ryan? good how are you? Good, man. I'm excited. I know you got a lot of, a lot of great stuff when it comes to bass fishing. You're one of the top tournament anglers out there, and you know how to put some fish in the boat. So I want to, before we get into all that, I want to just take a moment to, uh, if you could introduce yourself to some of the viewers and followers that may not know who you are, give us a little bit of background kind of where where you hang out at where you fish and so i'm my name's Ryan Hostetler
2: i'm from small tourist amish community town here in northern indiana shipshuana yeah i fish locally around the michiana area regionally here recently in the last 3 4 years i started fishing the michigan division the bfl's chasing them smallmouth i got my first taste of that smallmouth action probably like 10 years ago and been addicted to that place ever since. And so I just wanted to up my game. The local tournaments weren't as exciting anymore. I mean, the mm. our big local open tournaments weren't as exciting. So I wanted to take that competitiveness somewhere else. And so I traveled mm-hmm. north and started fishing the uh, Michigan division, the BFLs. And that has honestly probably helped me more going out elsewhere and then coming back home fishing cuz it's made me a better fisherman just pushing myself differently in a different direction and then bringing what I learned there back
1: home and it's been a, been an interesting journey so far how far away is that from from where you live to most of those events are 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 they like out of St. Clair or or uh, Detroit or what So yeah we got
2: sometimes we go north we haven't here recently, but sometimes we go to like Burt Mullet, which is five and a half, six hours for me. But uh, Detroit Rivers, three hours; North End of St. Clair is like three and a half, four hours from me. So, so it's a trip. It's, it's a trip, coming and it's in. yeah,
1: it's away from me. As far as the fishing locally to you, is there smallmouth to be caught, or is it pretty much largemouth?
2: We have lakes, natural lakes around here that have smallmouth, decent population of them, and we have. You know, rivers around here that have tons of smallmouth. The St. Joe is one of them that's famous for numbers of smallmouth. Mm-hmm. The, the southern end of Michigan has quite a few lakes with smallmouth. Not huge populations, but decent amount. Fishing around here, there's there's not as much as many factors as fishing St. Clair or Detroit River. You got, you know, wind. Uh, The lake can turn over and get muddy in in a day. Just like fishing around here is, I'd say there's more fish there than St. Clair and Detroit River, Mm -hmm. for sure. More willing to bite. Um, Around home, we have a lot more pressure, I would say. Our lakes are more pressured. There's a lot of fishermen
1: in our area. So Ryan, as far as your your favorite place to fish, what what would that be? If you could go anywhere... And just say you got a free day. I don't care if it's 10 hours away or 20 or right right in your backyard. What body of water would you want to fish? My favorite place to fish is the Detroit River. Detroit River.
2: It really don't matter the time of year. Springtime, I usually leave the bass fishing alone until about April, middle and end of April up there. I mean, I do go occasionally, but I chase the walleye in the spring up there. I'm not just a typical bass fisherman. I mean, I go up there and chase the walleye, which is a pretty fun bite. So if I yeah. could go anywhere,
1: that probably the De- Detroit River is where That's I'd great. go. So what makes it so – what What makes it up your alley? What What makes it unique to you, and, and why do you like chasing fish on, on the Detroit? Obviously, it's a lot of current. It's a big body of water. It's, uh, it connects Lake St. Clair to Lake Erie. It flows, uh, I guess, south into Lake Erie. It's massive for a river, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what what's it called? Uh in between Detroit, Miracle Mile. Like you can't yeah. you can't uh it's pretty treacherous, right? A lot of pleasure boaters, stuff like that. Yeah, can be. I grew up fishing. My first experience
2: with smallmouth around here, what I learned on the St. Joe River here in Elkhart. And the size of the fish here to there is like totally opposite, you know, like mm-hmm. a good one here is three and a half pounds. That's average there. So I grew up fishing that, and the numbers, the only two comparisons I could could have to them uh, are both the numbers of fish that are could be caught in a day. I mean, it's 50 to 100 fish days, you know, either one. And they're both very similar because the times of year that that happens is spring and fall.
1: So talk to me a little bit about the Detroit River as far as the seasonal patterns, because you mentioned you, you fish a lot in April, and I'm just curious, does that, do those fish and does the bite continue on in the summer months, or then do you have to, or do you focus more on some of the other, you know, whether it be Lake Erie or uh, St. Clair, or do you prefer to stay in the river throughout the whole year?
2: The springtime, usually I'm not far from the Detroit River, either in the mouse fishing for the, because I feel like the smallmouth in the fall come in the river, follow the bait in. Mm-hmm. And then they don't winter far from the river mouse and they're not in the current. So this summertime from what I've learned in the river, the moon has a lot to do with when the river's good because if the bait's in there, the smallmouth follow them. If the bait's not in there. It can be tough, but it can be good too because they are in very predictable places. Okay. You know, current breaks are one key area that, where they sit, where they don't wanna be in the current, but they don't wanna go look for their food either. They want their food to come to them. And then, yeah, in the fall, like I said, the all the bait comes back in there in the fall and it's just a, a feeding fest until the winter time. That's kind of the, the smallmouth in that region. That's their cycle of life. I mean, they follow the bait in the river, out of the river and wherever it goes. And mm-hmm. it makes them very predictable.
1: Right. So, so talk about those predictable spots for someone who's not familiar with that area or someone who wants to get into fishing for smallmouth in like a fast current situation. I mean, there's a lot of big bodies of water across the country that, that I would say is similar to the Detroit River. I, I like to say the St. Lawrence River is close. Uh, of course, the St. Is it the St. Clair River above Lake St. Clair? Uh, of course you have some areas around Sault Ste. Marie and of course, uh, Lake Superior here on all those, the great lakes have some massive bodies of water. Where do you start when you talk in current breaks? Are you looking at obvious man-made stuff or are you, are you finding things as well? That would be, uh, particular to that body of water, like where was, where would one start if they wanted to focus on an, an area to fish mm-hmm. that made sense? That question goes
2: back to how I started fishing the St. Joe River here close to home. We would put in the very top end of the river and float all the way down. And you would have like two to three seconds to hit your cast. That was an obvious current break Mm -hmm. on the bank fishing. And so the first time I went there, that's kind of how I did it. Like anything that looked obvious that breaks the current. And if the wind wasn't blowing, you could see a current seam. And yeah, sometimes the, the, the sweet spot isn't in the eddy, you know, per se, but it's down away from it and it's underwater is the sweet spot. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be gravel, could be rock, something to hold them. That's how I learned. Basically, I just went up the river and started fishing down it and didn't have a clue about it.
1: And yeah,
2: using my time, eyes. Time
1: on the water. and Yeah, just time on the water. is spots.
2: probably. I've spent more time... In the last three or four years up there, than I have on any of home lake around here. That's kind of I got addicted to it. And when you have those days where, like la- last spring, for instance, me and a couple buddies up on Saint Clair having two to three hundred fish days. I mean, you come home and you don't even want to try <laughs> try do that here. It's like it's, I don't know. So you get spoiled. You get you get spoiled, but also. You get humbled really quickly on the, on the big body water like that too. So, but you take those butt kickings and you learn from it and you, I don't know, you got to look back and see like, why was it was tough that day, Mm -hmm. you know? So next time you have those conditions, you can try something else or I always kind of log little things in my phone, like conditions that day or like my picture history, like I can go through my gallery and I have little notes on some of them that like what it was like that day, water temp conditions, stuff like that, so sure, just take the good with the bad.
1: Talk to me about one of your recent events that you had up there as far as um you know a good finish and and kind of how that all came together for you.
2: Uh, we have a uh, a local tackle shack here uh they had their classic up there and They were allowed to have subs for the classic. And so a friend of mine asked me that I've actually never fished with them in the boat before. asked me to go. Their classic was on the Detroit River at Elizabeth Park. Mm -hmm. He asked me to go up there. We weighed in 22 pounds both days and almost 23 pounds. And we won the thing. It was was pretty cool. I mean, the guy I fished with had experience on Lake Erie, more Breast Bay area. Uh, and like St. Clair, obviously, you know, you got the mile roads and stuff. He had, he had plenty of knowledge of St. Clair. He's not, never, not like he's never been there before, but the mm-hmm. deep, as far as the Detroit river, we fished two days in the river both days and yeah, we had 23 pounds, basically 23 pounds both days and won the thing. So what that time was the year last, was that? that was October. That was second week in October. Actually, I was there two weeks prior to that for the uh, TBF national semifinals. And I finished fourth, weighed in 20 pounds both days. And uh, that tournament finished fourth in that tournament. That was Michigan and Ohio guys, you know, fishing for the uh, spot in the national championship. Those were the last two tournaments I fished up there. And those were both end of September, early October.
1: The first event where you took fourth, did you uh, utilize some of those patterns and techniques and areas uh, to do well in the next event or was it something totally different?
2: The the semifinal tournament, the fish were, they were in the river at one point and then they backed out of the river. So between our last BFL our super tournament, the fish were kind of mixed. They were in the, some were in the river just starting that migration and some were out. Our tournament was one out in Lake Erie. so. Two weeks later, we had that TBF tournament, and I started practicing in the river, and we had hard, like, north wind. The river was chocolate milk, like, dirty, and I practiced in the river for a little bit. Didn't really happen right at first, and I went out at the mouth of Lake Erie. I have a a nemesis, or you could call him a nemesis, or a uh, guy I look up to, Heath Wagner. He's talked to me many times about the magic things that can happen out there in the fall. And I've kind of starting to put the pieces together on where the fish come from and how they position out there. And so I found, basically I found two spots, two schools of fish that were enormous. The first day I sat down on the first school of fish. I think I caught one for every cast for probably three and a half hours straight. Whoa, really? Yeah, I just kept calling them. I called up to like 20 pounds, and I, I saved the second school for the second day. Yeah, that those were out a ways from the river, but they were coming to the river for sure. And, yeah, I sat there on the first day, and I burned that school down the first day because they had a boat close by. Mm-hmm. So, second day rolls around. I actually had boat problems. Had to have a buddy drive a boat up for me yeah switch waypoints and everything so i wasn't comfortable running out to the second school I wasn't sure how good it was and so i started back on the first one and got to 20 pounds really quickly went back out to the second school well there were a couple other boats that found it too and they were they were all burnt down pretty good but both days though i probably caught over 200 fish in two days for sure it was incredible you know those are the days i I was talking about that
1: can happen up there that don't happen close by me anyhow so what what did you do to locate those fish Did you just happen to come upon them? Was it a place you fished in the past? You have some history there so I've actually never fished either one of those spots before, but Mr. Wagner hasn't
2: given me waypoints or anything, but has given me enough some pointers, yeah, pointers yeah. or I mean, he definitely hasn't let the cat out of the bag, but he's, he's said enough to where I've been able to turn it into finding those little, those little honey holes. I mean, they are literally one cast spots. Really? And yeah, that's kind of how I found, found it with, with the crankbait, you know, just kind of cranking along, you know, with the map. I used the Lawrence uh, the C-map revealed or whatever. And I just, depth shaded it and something stuck out on the map and I ran over there and started cranking and
1: next thing I knew I had found a school of four pounders. Sure. I want to ask you a little bit about that that C map because I'm not familiar with it. I hear some really good things. I'm actually looking at possibly utilizing it in the future. What are your thoughts on that? Is it a, is it a decent chip?
2: Oh, it's it's definitely it uh for so St. Clair and erie kind of don't really have a lot of contours besides you know your homes and stuff out there like your normal maps will show it Mm -hmm. but the river that thing really the map revealed really changed how the little turns and ditches stick out in the river there and underwater eddy can be a gold mine and that's kind of what i had found out there i mean you don't think of out in the erie having a lot of current but there's tons of current out there i mean i had a south wind both days and the trolling motor was still faced north like the current was still coming out of the north there's plenty of current a mile
1: two out like more than what you would think and underwater eddie how do you even approach that how do you even try to find something like that basically
2: what it came down to you're looking at Straight contour water just gushing out of this river. If you see something that makes a turn, or even even if it could be a high spot out there, I mean it's something that's going to deflect the water, like move it somewhere else, and it's going to cause a cause the fish to sit there behind in mm-hmm. that it underwater. The one thing that Heath had told me is you always look for the floating grass out there. the Floating grass is just sitting there, you know you know there you know there's an eddy i mean if if the grass keeps moving on out there's nothing there but if the grass is just sitting there doing making a swirl or whatever there's an eddy there and that's how you find it and over over the course of time it makes clean spots out there in those clean spots i mean there could be grass surrounding so the spot that i had found there was just a big crop circle grass all around it and there's a clean spot in the middle of it it was on a little bit of a turn i guess so I just Mm -hmm. created an eddy there, and they were just loaded there. And I think what really helped it bring all those fish together is the water was a little bit dirty, stained. And so they all just kind of shrunk down to this one little spot and just waited for the food
1: to come to them so they didn't have to go chase after it. All right, Ryan, good stuff. What would you say your your favorite technique uh, when it comes to smallmouth fishing would be?
2: It really don't matter. I just like catching them. Anything. Eh, catching them on a drop shot and stuff like that. It's fun, but I like throwing something that it feels like a truck just ran into your bait, you know, like, and two, three seconds later, they're three feet out of the water. Like that's, that's the the best bite, I think. Reaction
1: baits. yeah, Yeah. yeah
2: reaction baits. I'm more of a power fisherman. Anyhow, okay. something that's moving and they just
1: destroy it is probably the best bite top three power fishing techniques that you use what would they my be?
2: top three that i use small mouth and large mouth crankbait and a rattle trap
1: okay and a chatterbait crankbaits lipless chatterbaits there's a lot yep. going into it. i know a lot of guys love throwing crankbaits especially lake erie lake st Clair. it's well known for that detroit river specifically uh, what type of crankbaits are you? We are we talking? Are you are you, uh, you know, deep cranking or medium or a little bit of everything?
2: Medium cranking. So I consider medium cranking anything between fifteen and eleven to fifteen foot is medium cranking. Mm-hmm. That's I'd rather do that than crank something big and heavy that wears on you. I like throwing the Normans, little ends, the DT series, DT. 10s dt 14s Mm -hmm. those are my top baits for that region i mean st Clair, detroit river erie those those are my baits that i throw the normans and the rapalas they cast like a bomb and get down quickly and you can you can actually work work those crankbaits too. get them to stop them start your retrieve and get them to change directions and they
1: create bites So, how do you determine whether you pick up a little N versus like a DT10 or DT14? Is there a difference? Is there a time of year thing? Um, How do you choose one over the other?
2: My experience with the Rapalas, when they dive, they get to the bottom quickly. So, if I want to hit, if I'm throwing at a rock and I want to hit that rock, I'm picking probably going to pick a Rapala over a Norman right off the bat. So, if I'm trying to trying to fish like a flat, and I don't want to hit the bottom, but I just want to stay in that zone, I'll pick a Norman up for sure. Uh, the Like I said, the Rapalas, they dive so deep quickly. Normans really just kind of stay in that zone the whole time.
1: Mm. I don't have a lot of experience when it comes to Lil land. I own a bunch because buddies of mine love them, swear by them. And it's just something I, I have not used a whole lot so I do appreciate that tip it does make sense so it stays mm-hmm. in the strike zone a little bit longer uh perhaps if they're suspended is that gonna be a crankbait you're gonna you're yep. gonna pick up
2: that's a crankbait I'll pick up and another thing is with the Normans uh they have a little bit smaller body profile so depending mm-hmm. on you know what kind of shad or perch like size that the fish are feeding on try to match the size of it too. I mean a lot of people mat- try to match the hatch the color but I try to match both, I guess, the color and size of what size of the
1: bait they're feeding on. Do you have a wide variety of colors or do you kind of pick just a handful? And if I could ask, what what colors do you prefer? So a lot of natural
2: colors, uh, perch, shad, or you're going to either going to have your gaudy colors that are just chartreuse mm-hmm. and brown and uglier and all get
1: out that the smallmouth just for some reason Thank like you. it. As far as the lipless goes, when are we throwing that? Is that seasonal or is that year round? There's kind
2: of a little bit of a secret up there. I have okay. one tied
1: on year round. We like secrets. Okay.
2: It's really good in the spring. I mean, that's my favorite bait for largemouth around home mm-hmm. when they're just gorging on bluegill. It's another. I just took it up there with me when I started fishing up there and they just love it. I love that bite too, you know. And then the, the other challenge is trying to keep them hooked, I guess, but. But no, summertime, it's a bait that gets overlooked up there in the summertime. So I'll just have one tied on about always. And if we get a slick, calm day, sun, I mean, I'll be out in like 12, 14 foot, and I'll just pick that thing up, bomb a half ounce trap out there. I know it's not getting down more than three feet, but, you know, if those fish are looking up, they're either going to follow it and show themselves or they're going to eat it.
1: Compare that to when I'm fan casting and just covering water with like a big spinner bait and burning that high in the water column. Oh. You're just giving them a different look with a lipless, basically.
2: Mainly, I'll throw like a like on those bright sunny condition days. I'll I'll throw something shiny like a spinner bait would be, I guess, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. some with some flash. But yeah, I use it as a search bait. You know, if I'm fishing something shallow too, a shallow flat is something that I can burn it really quickly. Can I can kind of control a rattle trap to how deep I want it to run? I should say if you start mm-hmm. reeling it too fast, it starts doing the sideways thing, or but you can get it down there and fish it a little deeper. It's it's a search bait for sure.
1: Now the chatter bait you talked a little bit about that is that something you're throwing uh, when they're up shallow, or are you fishing that deep as well?
2: So that whole system, I like to stay in fourteen foot or less. That's my, that's my zone. I don't know. That's kind of where I can power fish, visually see them. Uh, the chatterbait is also a search bait, it represents a shad very well. I have a buddy of mine. So the jackhammer is obviously very known. Mm-hmm. And that's usually what I throw. But I have a buddy of mine that makes these j- uh, chatterbaits. And I can show you. It's a hair jig. Whoa! Chatterbait. Okay. Thorac Jigs makes it. And I brought the idea to him. I was like, hey, you know, I, I like throwing a hair jig up there, too. Like, can you make me a hair jig chatterbait blown away by how smallmouth eat this thing? Really? That classic that I talked about where we had 23 pounds both days, mm-hmm. 80% of our fish came on this bait right here. And they were all shallow. And that's just a fun bite. And it's it was something too... You know, when they get it, they get it, and you're not going to lose them just going when they're going berserk like you would on a treble hook bait. Mm-hmm. So that was another reason why. And it's, it's something different. It's something oh, I have in.
1: So how deep were those fish with that? You say you like it 14 or less, but specifically, what range were you throwing that in? What size? Is um, it 3A's, half ounce?
2: So this is a like 7 sixteenths okay and i will throw up to uh, a one ounce shatterbait those fish were most of them were probably five six foot
1: and less up there hold that up again is that a a trailer on the back of that yeah so uh, i put this
2: does have a screw lock to put a trailer bait on here that hair just works magically in the water i don't know and i i threw the trailer on there just because it's it's a smaller trailer and it's mm-hmm. hidden. I mean, it's, you can hardly see it.
1: No, I see that. in, in yeah. that Yeah. says silver it, or gold blade on that silver blade, silver blade.
2: I find my camera.
1: Nice. And they no, chew it, it, huh? It
2: was something that when I, the first spot I stopped on to try it, which I knew was holding some fish. I bombed it out there and wasn't expecting a whole lot at first with it. When you have to get pliers to get a, Chatterbait out of a smallmouth's mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when you know you kind of found something,
1: and I have just kind of ran with it. What gave you the idea to just try putting a hair and just hair only on a chatterbait? So in the current up there, you got
2: a lot of lag with a boot tail trailer and just that rubber skirt. So you can't get your bait down as far, and you can't work it as fast, reel it as fast. So I wanted something that I could get down in the water column just a little bit further and don't rise on me while I'm trying to reel it. So I I'll throw this thing on 17 pound test line in the current with a seven to one reel. Yeah. I give it a second or two on the fall if I'm in five or six feet and I reel it pretty fast. as hard. I mean, almost as hard as I can. So and, that. yeah, you can, you know, you just, you kill it half you know, halfway back to the boat, you just kill it. And it just, falls like a dart and that creates a reaction bite that's kind of that's kind of the secret to it actually is really
1: yeah so a burn and if there's a fish following it or if there's a fish in the general area when you stop it they'll see that fall come over there grab it before it hits the bottom and it just looks like a shad does he sell these to the public
2: yeah nice
1: uh,
2: facebook page okay i'm not sure if he has a web page i don't think so but okay Definitely on Facebook, you can get a hold of them.
1: Well, I know I'll be doing that. I'll, <laughs> um, I'll, well, I'm going to buy it first and then I'll put the uh description down below for everyone else afterwards. But that's interesting, that's intriguing. I like that concept. That's a there's, sneaky little deal. There. There's other things that
2: he's got that we're working on too. I mean, just mm-hmm. he's he's a big bait, com- uh, bait maker for a lot of a lot of guys in our region and uh, actually out of the area too he's known pretty well but right, this me... this hair jig chatterbait has kind of replaced everybody's throwing a swim bait a Tak swim bait yes this has it's kind of replaced that for me like give me something like not really an edge but i just was it's my most confident bait if mm-hmm. i go anywhere in the country first thing i pick up is a chatterbait don't matter time of year spring summer fall so i just kind of implemented that with the smallmouth and it's something new that I'm hoping you can win a few tournaments on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, you said you're throwing it on 17 pound fluorocarbon. So, what's your what's your typical rod setup with that then?
2: So, I'm throwing it on a, like a 7.4 uh, Loomis E6X swim bait rod and uh, a Daiwa Tatula, I think it is, Daiwa Tatula HD reel, seven one one 1 gear ratio. Something that's got a little bit of give on the rod, the rod tip. So where, when they, when they hit this thing, they're going to truck it and they either knock slack into it or your rod just loads up. And then next thing you know, they're jumping out of the water. So you just kind of real hook set with them. I mean, I you know.
1: I, I understand what you were trying to accomplish with that hair jig and, and the way you rigged it without a trailer. So it wouldn't rise up or it would work more streamlined for you. But if um, what are some applications where you can see putting a trailer on that would be beneficial? Because it does mm-hmm. have a screw lock, I think, which is a great idea. It allows that trailer to really fit on that well and not not tear off on every other fish that you catch. My first thing that I ever put on here was a uh, Strike King Z2,
2: something that didn't have a boot tail, mm-hmm. something that had just a straight tail out the back end. That was the first thing that I messed around with with it. Actually, on St. Clair or actually on Detroit River, I'd say the advantage is you get out of the current situation. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to using this thing next year out on the lake, St. Clair. Uh, I think, and not just in this color. You know, when the Mayfly hatch is going on, maybe a brown one or something. You know, something when mm-hmm. when the fish are feeding up on top. That's something I'm looking forward to trying. You know, when you're trying to keep it up with the boot tail would be. Would really
1: help you do that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you get those in some different colors too, yep. black and blue things like that, maybe.
2: Yeah, probably any color. Uh, Green pumpkin. Yeah, I had them time. I said I want a white something that's going to represent a shad. I want an all white one, and I want something that's got some chartreuse in it. And he ran with it, and he gave him. He told me to come pick him up, and I picked him up. I was like, this one right here with the chartreuse in it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a killer. I knew it instantly.
1: It looks very compact, too. That's what I like about it. And yep. the tie job on it uh, looks real good. That got my, that caught my interest there, that um, that chatterbait with the hair. I'm going to be picking some up. I know a bunch of guys watching this probably will as well. A couple more questions for you, Ryan. But uh, before we go there, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Small Mouth Crush Podcast. Don't rush out to the water just yet. We'll be right back. After this break. Well,
1: hey guys, I teamed up with Beast Coast Fish and designed a sneaky little jig that's going to help you catch more fish, whether it be smallmouth, spotted bass, largemouth. This thing, for all you can see this, we're watching this on the YouTube channel. A sneaky little finesse jig. No weed guard. Comes in quarter, three-eighths, and half ounce. Very thin skirt, right? Not a lot of skirt material. It's designed to emphasize the trailer. That you're using. So put your favorite trailer on. I prefer like a TRD, any type of craw, a smally Beaver works great. Z-Man makes a lot of great trailers as well for this jig. I've been throwing a lot this season. I've been catching some amazing fish. Like I am, I am a jig fanatic right now. I'll drop straight down on them over deep water. I'll make cast. I'll uh, I'll actually drag this as well. Killer little finesse football jig. It's actually the Beast Coast Open Water Sniper Jig. Head on over to beastcoastfishing.com and check them out today.
0: We're back to the Smallmouth Crush Podcast with your host, Travis Manson. All right, we're back, Ryan. I want to
1: ask you uh, a couple a couple more questions uh, before we end this. We are getting to the end. And so I ask this to everyone that's on the show. What's your personal best, whether it be a largemouth or a smallmouth?
2: So my personal best largemouth is seven 7'2". And I've only ever caught two seven pounders here in Indiana, Michigan. Yeah. And one the one was seven even and one was seven two. Personal best smallmouth is six eight.
1: That was on Saint Clair. Saint Clair, what'd you catch him on? Caught him on a Kitech swim bait. Kitech swim bait. Nice. All right. This is gonna be an interesting question because you you said you were a power fisherman. So I'm gonna ask you this. If if I had one bait to give you for the rest of the year to use for both largemouth or smallmouth what would that bait be that's all you can throw all year long a half ounce jackhammer chatterbait would probably be
2: my number one bait all year long anywhere in the country you'd be fine throwing that i would be fine throwing that yeah. you can put it's so versatile you can fish it like a jig skip docks fish it deep you know slow roll it Mm-hmm. Gra- it's great in grass the only place it's not really that good is in wood but sure. it's great anywhere it's you can pretty good in work. current
1: all right ryan so what are your plans moving forward do you, you plan on fishing more of the events up on on the detroit river and st Clair? are you going to stay a little bit of local or maybe do both
2: plan on fishing at all the bfls up there again the regional this year's on the mississippi river i've already had one regional there learn So much that week fishing that that body of water that I want to go back. So I mean, I I got I want revenge on that place because the first day of practice when I pulled up there for the regional, I picked up a because That's the most thing. That's the bait I'm most confident in. And probably within an hour, I thought I was going to win that tournament. And boy, was I wrong. What (laughs) conditions changed? And Uh conditions changed. Weather got cold. The whole time I went practicing after I found some really good fish and tried to find other areas too. It just never panned out. I never found anything. And that was always in the back of my mind like that's that area or that that pattern I had found figured out it right up right off the bat. Yeah. I it bit me in the butt big time. Day two I had another spot like that that I went to that I same pattern. I mean, we went like thirty casts in a row that morning on fish after fish. So I got revenge on that place. So I'm looking forward to going back there.
1: Where's that typically out of on on the on the river?
2: So the Mississippi is out of Pool Eight. Um, okay. So is that Veterans Park or something? Veterans. That's Lacrosse, right? Wisconsin? Yeah, Lacrosse, okay. Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Yep.
1: yep. A little different than what you're used to, or is there some similarities to that place? There's
2: so there's a lot of similarities to that place and the Saint Joe River around my house here that I grew up fishing. Uh, the amount of largemouth is crazy up there. There's a lot more largemouth than around here, but the similarities are like they're predictable fish in the river. I I feel like they are
1: where they're going to be. But that river's so huge. I mean, there's backwaters. There's main. Are you do you concentrate and just feel better on the main river? Or are you So, getting... it'll be
2: in the fall again. Most of the fish should
1: be towards the
2: towards the main river. The the fish that you, I'm going to be targeting are in the current or very close to it, so they're very predictable. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I learned big time up there. And I overlooked that going into it because there is so much backwater. And, I mean, yeah. the first thing I did is I got my boat stuck on a sandbar the first 20 minutes of being there. But, <laughs> right, right. So... I overlooked that and that's why I got revenge on that place when we go back.
1: So the Mississippi River, I love it there. I, I don't have too many hours logged in, but it's a fascinating place. But I can see where a guy like you who loves fishing a river system can can probably get that dialed in quick. I just, like you said, there's a lot of hazards. I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm not a river rat, so I don't know the river that well. But I know there's a lot of uh, wing dams and man-made stuff and crazy current and sandbars and all yep. kinds of trouble to get yourself into, but well, Ron, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate this information. I know I'm going to grab some of those chatter baits. Uh, if someone wants to follow along and, and um, you know, see how you do next year, what's the best way you got any presence on social media and anyone you want to say, uh, give a shout out to.
2: So I'd like to give a shout out to my two main sponsors. I would call them. I call them partnerships more than sponsors. Tire star of Wokeville is one of my, one of the reasons why I can go do, Go do that up there, um, and my family. I mean, they help support me do that. Tackle store called Tackle Shack, big partners, big helpers on anything really. I mean, they they actually carry. They don't carry these yet, but they carry the Thorax jigs, and they also okay. have an online. You know, free shipping over fifty dollars, and you can go to Tackle Shack Facebook page too, and go online on their online store and purchase about anything. But the Thorax jigs, that's he's more of a partner too than a sponsor basically i tell him what i want and what i need and he makes it for me and That's i take him fishing nice. sometimes right right you can follow all of them on facebook basically follow me on facebook i'm on i'll, I'll update people on how i'm doing in tournaments and pre-fishing i might sneak a picture in on sure. what i'm catching them
1: on or something but well, we, we wish you the best of luck. Go get them. Go uh, make that championship and uh, get revenge on the Mississippi for sure. That's and the goal, man. Put some big smallmouth on the scales while you're doing that, man. I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome.
0: And as always, guys, until next time, we'll see you on the water. Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show and follow us on Instagram. It's smallmouthcrush. Also, the YouTube channel, Small Mouth Crush. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a five-star rating and comment with a review below. And as always, until next time, we'll see you on the water.